This is the Wheel of Time podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we're talking about the Wheel of Time Season 2, Episode 4, Daughter of the Night. Why didn't you tell me you can channel? You are the first woman who's ever seen me as a man. I didn't want you to see me as a monster. back fellow wheelies this is the wheel of time podcast on tv podcast industries and we're talking about the wheel of time season two episode four daughter of the night i am one of your hosts john i am one of your other hosts derek and rounding out this group of nightly podcast hosts i am chris was that your breathy impression of rams john Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> he's going through a lot. He is. He's the unluckiest person in mm. the whole world, yeah. or wheel. There, there is a line in uh, in this episode where he says, um, the wheel never gives anyone what they want, especially me. And you're going, you're damn right, Rand. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you will never get anything you want. Certainly, I think uh, he won't be having sex ever again after so. that. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no. Like... Basically, he's burned the house down the last time. In the, in the, <laughs> the last 48 hours, that man has had sex twice. Once, yeah. burned down the house. Second time, killed his lover. Oh, got his lover killed, I should say. Mm. Well, the camera got splattered in blows. So yes. yes. Uh, spoilers, of course, here for oh, yes. <laughs> Wheel of Time Season 2, Episode 4. Uh, did we spoil anything for you? If you haven't seen the episode, go watch it. <laughs> before yeah, you get you just won't know who, who dies just watch exactly. and find exactly. out. Yes. Yeah. Once you've listened to it, you can't unlisten. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so don't worry, the wheel weaves as it wills. So it will always happen this way. Yes, indeed it will. Uh, fellow wheelies, if you are joining us for the first time, please head on over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can subscribe to any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice. You can send in your feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com mm-hmm. as well as heading on over to our spoiler posts on our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tvpodcastindustries. Absolutely. And of course, we have our Wheel of Time Tavern quiz going on as well, which will come up later in this episode. So we will be getting on to our fourth question of the season so gather all the answers to all eight questions from this season as we go through them and email us at the end of our coverage of the season to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com where you can get your hands on some wheelie goodies Mm -hmm. some wheelie wheelie uh, good goodies. Yes, and I did mention last week one of our wonderful uh, fellow wheelies, uh, Dr. Bob Phillips, has said the first three questions are the hardest questions so far in any of our pub quizzes. So we might make it a little easier this episode, or it might be even harder this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it depends. It depends. I think it depends. it's quite easy. 
Okay, good stuff, good stuff. But that'll be coming up later in the podcast after we uh, get into our coverage of yes. Wheel of Time. Let us ramp on into our spoiler-filled discussion of episode four of the Wheel of Time season two, Daughter of the Night. So, Derek, what are some of the episode details for episode four? Well, of course, this is based on the book series by Robert Jordan. The executive producers for the show are Rafe Judkins, Larry Mondragon, Rick Selvage, Ted Field, Mike Weber, Darren Lemke, Marigot Kehoe, Justin Jewell Gilmer, Sanai Hamry, and Amanda Kate Schumann. The showrunner for the show is Rafe Lee Judkins. Uh, this episode was written by Dave Hill, who also wrote The Dragon Reborn, episode four of season one. Very good. And he's also pretty well known for his work in Game of Thrones. He worked uh, uh, from season two on the show and okay. wrote uh, yeah, four episodes of uh, of Game of Thrones from season five onwards. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, that'll explain the, the sex and blood then. Absolutely. And the mention of a certain house and their ascension in Kyrene. Yeah, in, in Kyrene. Um, the, I guess, maybe inspiration for Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin. Maybe. The fact that you have this game of houses going mm-hmm. on in this one city yeah. uh, brought to us by uh, Robert Jordan. So, yes. yeah. This kind one. of interesting stuff, how the the fantasy wheel weaves as the fantasy wheel wills. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And the city called Kyrian, not Carhain, as we've all been calling it wow, for, exactly. uh, I think, decades in the case of Chris, right? Yes. That's the th- <laughs> so, I will very quickly, before we get into our synopsis, I, the one thing I will say about this show is suddenly someone has decided the exact pronunciation of some stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. For years. I've been basing it on, I'm kind of phonetically going by what I yeah, see yeah. in the books. And I think once or twice in some, so like with the Aiel, there's yeah. been like an actual pronunciation in brackets in the glossary aspect. Right. But I've always said it one way in my head. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Aiel. A-I-E-L. Exactly. Like instead yeah. of Aiel. Like, again, it's just, yeah. for years, no, exactly. I've just been saying it one way. And then yeah. you're getting like, Ishmael and Lanfear. That's the one that got me was Ishmael or something from mm. Moraine last week. I was like going, okay, you've just added in a letter. There. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, like, hey, you're going to cement this. As, this is the way we are saying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, so it's basically, this is the way we're doing it from now on. I'm like, okay, but it's going to take me a bit of time. <laughs> the, the other thing as well, I have to say in my notes, Instead of Lanfear, I called her Fanfear, which I guess a lot of fans of the books had for this show just before. <laughs> but I was just like, what? and now I can't get Fanfear out of my uh, out of my head. Right. Well, hopefully our notes will help guide you. Um, but yeah, I suppose that's the good thing, right? This is based on a book series. Of course, book readers are going to have their own pronunciations of characters that they've read for so many years without any guidance on it. But I suppose, interestingly, Rosamund Pike is doing the, um, the audio books for all of Robert Jordan's series. She's uh, she's currently on book three, I think. Nice. Uh, has been released recently. So uh, her pronunciation of Ishmael, I guess, is the correct pronunciation because that's the guidance she's been given for the audiobook. So, yeah. Uh, but I love the sound of that. It sounds better than Ishmael, uh, than Ishmael the, yeah. the Ishmael, uh, as she pronounced it. I thought that was very cool. Anyway, uh, we do have one other person uh, to call out uh, for this episode. The director of the episode, of course, uh, Sana Hamri, uh, one of the executive producers and directed episode three as well. So continuing on the tradition of doing uh, two episodes back to back for Wheel of Time. Good stuff. So, John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Wheel of Time, Season 2, Episode 4, Daughter of the Night? Sure. 
Ishmael, speaking in the old tongue, recites an old prophecy as he uses the one power to release another of the forsaken, Lanfear, into the world. Meanwhile, in the White Tower, Nynaeve has been raised as an accepted following her trial in the Arches. She is traumatised by her experiences in the Arches and her mentor, Leandrin, offers her insights on how to cope with becoming an accepted. Leandrin also tells Nynaeve of Perrin's capture by the Sension close to Falm, which leads to Nynaeve, Egwene and Elaine sneaking out of the tower to mount a rescue. But Nynaeve is taken off guard by the appearance of her mentor Leandrin, who ambushes them, using the one power to subdue them. Meanwhile, Perrin and Elias look for the Shinarans and Loyal, where Perrin is told that he is a wolf brother by Elias. As Perrin tries to understand what he is, he bonds with the wolf pack, and with one wolf in particular called Hopper, who befriends Perrin. Elsewhere, as Min and Matt settle down for the night at a tavern on the road, she discovers that Leandrin's contact she is meant to meet is Ishmael, one of the Forsaken. He offers to rid her of her visions if she brings Matt to Karin. Moraine Damadred arrives in Karin, where she heads to her family home to meet her little sister, Anavir. Their relationship is strained, and Moraine focuses on her task at hand, though, as she sets about her investigations to find Rand. She also meets with Legane and offers to end his life if he first helps her train Rand to use the One Power. Back at her home, her sister forces Moraine to realise that she no longer holds any power over her, and if she wants to know where her ginger-headed boy is, <laughs> she will have to ask politely. Meanwhile, Lan stays with Alana and her warders, who attempt to help him through losing his bond with Moraine. Alana finds the prophecy that reveals that the forsaken Lanfear has returned to the world. Meanwhile, Rand and Selene leave Karain to travel to Selene's mountain lodge where a fade attacks them. Rand kills it with the one power and confesses his love for Selene, who chooses to stay with him despite his ability to channel and reveals a secret of her own as she begins to channel herself. Before she can do anything, Moraine arrives and stabs Selene through the heart before cutting her throat. Pleading for Rand to run, she reveals Selene is Lanfear. As they flee, Lanfear starts to recover from her wounds. Noise. That's all I can say. <laughs> sure podcast this week. Yes. <laughs> well, it's it, it's just... it's. They do the smorgasbord of this world with all the different characters, do you know? So it's like there's a lot going on, loads and loads of stuff happening. And that's really good. I mean, the Lamphere stuff is like has been expedited, let's just put it that way. Okay. But uh, I like it, yeah. uh, I like it a lot, uh, and it makes sense, you know. Yeah. It's in, dare I say, it, the wheelhouse of um, <laughs> what actually happens in the book, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just played out very differently, right? Um, to be honest, uh, but and I like it absolutely, and our suspicions, um of the character were confirmed. So I, I did mention last week, um, after the first three episodes of this season, I, wa I was quite suspicious of Celine, uh, but not for that reason. I didn't expect her to be a Forsaken. I just thought she was going to be a dark friend. Yeah, well, yeah. interestingly, I'm not fluent in the old tongue of this world, but when Ishmael does break that seal at the start, you do hear him talk of Lanfear. Yes. Um, as well, you do catch her name yeah. uh, in 
in the babblings of the prophecy uh, yeah. in the old tongue. You know what? I'm, I am going to call out Prime Video, though. Um, I hate this. I hate when you have the subtitles on and it goes speaking in the old tongue. That, there is definitely words that the character read or the actor read off the script. Put those in the subtitles. I want to read the words in the old tongue, please. Uh, that's, that's why I have subtitles on, so I don't miss anything. Uh, it would have been nice to actually see them written on screen. Uh, but they chose not to do that. They just chose to say... Speaking old tongue. <laughs> well, I always just think of, you know, you're doing a, a, a sort of a comedy sketch where it, it like comms up with something like old tongue and you're just going, oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, you, you might as well just be going blah, 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 yeah, blah. But- and you kind of like, this has meaning, you know, exactly. give it to us. Like, yeah. it's obviously written in the book somewhere. Exactly. I mean, maybe it's not, but do you know what I mean? If you're going to, even if you're going to make something up, have it so that, we can understand it, not yeah. just simply say old tongue. Exactly. I mean, I know people learn Klingon in the Star Absolutely. Trek worlds and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, but I like, mean, tol- I don't have, I mean, I can hardly speak French, yeah. let alone uh, start understanding a fantasy language. Yeah, but like J.R.R. Tolkien was a linguist. That's why he wrote Lord of the Rings. Every single yeah. language that's in those books has a basis in real language. So you can actually have a full alphabet of it. I presume Robert Jordan did something similar when he was yeah. creating the old tongue. So put it on screen. It shows a little respect for the creation of the books by doing that. That's so all. The one thing I did, they they talked about the game of houses, and we'll, we'll get to it later. Mm. That's Dace Demir. That is mm-hmm. a, a thing. Mm-hmm. It is like, and it's throughout the books, they yeah. talk about the Dace Demir yeah. or Dace Demar, depending on your pronunciation. Of course. But that's again, I'm like, that is, for me... That hasn't been said yet. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I want that to be said because it is. They they talk about the. If you call about the like, they're going. Oh, he they're just he's really good at playing at the game of houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, no. Throughout the books, is they are good at taste of mare or right. tomorrow. Yeah, and like it's a thing. So I'm I'm again, it's old tongue. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. it's pronounced, like it, it it's like. It is ingrained in part of it, so I, I suppose they're trying to. They don't want to probably scare people off with too many weird new names and of things course. and animals too late. and places. <laughs> too I was gonna say, late. We're on season two now. I think yeah. people who are here are here for the here for it. So I think really yeah. they need to start dropping a bit more of that old tongue in. Absolutely. Can, yeah. you, can you imagine if Rings of Power didn't use Elvish? at all in its entire entire run since you're dealing with loads of elves who yeah. speak a different language it's it's part of yeah. the property itself and, and i just think it should be shown yeah. and definitely if you have subtitles in any show don't put up speaking french it's a language translator <laughs> for us or give us it in french at least so uh, we can get a little bit of extra insight uh, from that but anyway minor complaint we yes. need to get on to yes. our spokes of the wheel let us get into our top spokes we have a four spoked wheel uh, this week mm-hmm. so let us get into spoke number one house damo dread mm. uh, what a great name, Damo Dread. It is. We don't so, hear it very often. That is that is Moraine's surname. Um, yes. Ultimately, yes. Effectively. Yeah. Uh, but we hear her called Aesodai so often and uh, and just Moraine uh, very often, but uh, but that is her surname. Um, really liked this meeting with her younger sister, and I love the little touch of showing 
a painting of Moraine looking exactly the same as Rosamund Pike right now and her younger sister yeah. looking about eight years old. <laughs> and we can see the actress playing uh, her sister and Vera is much older than Rosamund Pike. Yes. So again, just this allusion to how old the Aes are, how long they last because of the connection to the source. Um, that's been called out a bit more uh, this yeah. season, I think. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And just a bit of that backstory as well, you know, hearing that the uncle ruined the family effectively mm-hmm. um that you know they were at sort of the beggar's door really um and Moraine the apple of her father's eye really and you can really get the sense from um Anvera about a, in a sense a bit of that sort of lasting resentment um absolutely but uh i i just really enjoyed i know moraine is there as well for in a sense almost a different purpose she's there to um find rand uh, and investigate that and also yeah. to connect him with Legane. but i love the fact that you know in a sense that arrogance of moraine mm-hmm. and i love the how this plays out with her sister because um in a sense, it's, I guess, what families are always the great leveler. And this really feels like it levels yeah. uh, Moraine here with that conversation uh, between her and her sister where, you know, I, I just love this idea, you know, where um, and Vera says, you had work and I had mine. Mm-hmm. Not as important as yours, but no less hard. You know, did your Aesodai training... Uh, teach you to um, take spit to the eye mm-hmm. and, and and to be on your knees begging for um, favours and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I've ultimately built the house of Danadred back up from those Absolutely. ruins that our uncle left them in um, to the point where, you know, her son is going to marry into uh, the Queen's household and you are not going to risk or endanger that in any way, the 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 house that I have rebuilt effectively. Absolutely. I know you um, say it's like a, like a jealousy or an, a, a dislike of Moraine here, but it's really more of a RuPaul, don't F it up. Look how much work I've put in here. Don't yeah. waltz in here and mess this whole thing up. Yeah, no, and this is some of the parts I really enjoyed. Yeah, like, me too. They, again, you're talking about they're starting to show some of the effects of the power. Like mm-hmm. you're a channeler, you age slowly, so you're going to start to see more of this because there are these women who have, like we saw it with Leandrin and her son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Leandrin calls it a curse, doesn't she? She calls it the curse because essentially they had yeah. she had a son, kept him secret, and then watched him over a hundred ninety years. Mm. And she doesn't look a day older, and he's yeah, 90 yeah. dying on his deathbed. And there's a little touch in that as well, where she doesn't exactly know how long it is and how old he is because of how long she's lived. Yes. Um, she yeah. says it's like 70 or maybe 90 kind of thing. Yeah. She's got, you know, a couple of decades kind of passed her by. So Yeah, exactly. I think as well, it's like, you know, I love the fact that the put down here between uh, Moraine, or of Moraine by her sister is kind of really over sort of the most mundane things. And 
you know, she goes, you know, the eyes and ears that you built here oh, are so mine now. Yeah. You know, the head of the hospice, um, the, the guard at the foregate. Yeah. They report to me. And if you want to know, and that's why I added it into the synopsis, because mm-hmm. I just love the kind of, if you want to know where your redheaded boy is now, you will have to, um, effectively sit down and have it over a cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because you have at the start, and I love how that kind of just plays through where, you know, as I say, Marine comes in quite arrogant, like, oh, yeah. like I've got stuff to do, uh, you know, to the servant, get me this, get me that. And she's like, and like her sister's just like, stop, you know, it's been decades, at yeah. least have a cup of tea. Exactly. Uh, and, and talk. And I just then, you know, there's like this cathartic, um, sort of release by her sister and their, uh, of, I just don't care what you think anymore. I'm yeah. not going to live up to you. Like she said, she exactly. used to try and do. So exactly. this I thought was up. really yeah. fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Derek, what did you think of the, the discussion here of like the, 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 the game of houses kind of the mm. very political aspect of it? You saw a touch of it last episode yeah. as well with Rand Absolutely. in the ball. Are you getting the sense of that now? Or like the kind of how political a lot of this, how they can at some point potentially bring in a lot of that political intrigue? Definitely. And, and you know, there's a really great touch that set it up so well, showing Anvir getting out of bed and presenting herself for her day, even though her day consists of effectively sitting in the window. Uh, it looks like. as well. Well, that too. But her her preparing herself for the day, you really get that sense of how much um is on the appearance and how much is on how she presents herself to the world. Uh, you get that off the bat. But also, um, what I really liked was the, in that conversation between Anvera and, and Moraine, her talking about what her father expected when they found out that Moraine could channel, that she was going to go on the path of the Aes Sedai, where suddenly her father was going, oh, I've got this really special child who's going to go off and solve everything for us. And yes, Moraine went off and never came back and yeah. let their family fall into ruin. So you can understand why they would have expected that Moraine would go off and come back and help the family out. You know, that's they obviously put everything into Moraine. Um, we mentioned before, it's like sending somebody off to the best school in the world and paying for that education. You would expect some kind of benefit of that uh, as a family member, and they didn't get any of this. But um, but I like the touches of this with Anvair saying how she's climbed up that ladder mm. um, in this city, making her family eventually going to become important and don't mess it up because I can't do it again. There's no way for me to do it again. So um, I thought that was a really interesting kind of start to this. And I do hope over time, these are shorter episodes, these are shorter seasons these days than they they were in the past. We don't have 20 episode seasons. And I I don't think the show is going to be about um, this game of houses, I suppose, uh, at least for this season or or next season. But we may get into a season where it is all about uh, that movement of houses. I think if you if you they can build it up from here. Yeah, no, and I think that's the fun part. The fact that they are starting to triple this in. And I think what they may do is start to touch on parts of this with later with l- later storylines. Mm-hmm. I'm ho- well again, I'm hoping. Again, we don't know. They are they're taking some liberties with this se- season. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm not uh, just I talked about the Dace de Mar like that plays heavily a point with Rand mm-hmm. later on and in I hope we get there and I think yeah. they're, they're with them touching on it now yeah I think 
they are starting to build a lot of the groundwork, which is such something I'm so interested in. Mm-hmm. So we're on the season two of a se- series. Eight in the first, we're now part four. And they're still building foundations on yeah. storylines. And I'm like so intrigued by that because typically, but in the, in the old school days, you would like by season two, everything was done. You had mm. all your, most of your foundational level stuff done. And now it's just mm. kind of building on top. But Here that's when was, you had 20 episodes of the first season. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. The first season was all, was all about our main, our main characters the the kids the the uh the potentials i suppose in that first season this season yet yeah, it hopefully is expanding and i i presume it will expand further as the as the seasons yes. go on um but just a reminder of the, i think the first trivia note that comes up uh when you have a look at a uh, wheel of time 2571 named characters across the series of books so they will absolutely have to cut out the importance of some of those characters yes. as well so uh, oh, yeah. so if the game of houses is a really important part of the series then hopefully they will spend time on it. But as that was such an important part of Game of Thrones, maybe they may remove some of the importance of it to not have that comparison. I don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, it is a really interesting start here. Yes, no, definitely. Um, one interesting part we also learned in connection with Lan and Moraine, as she's doing this out in the in the big city, she's up in the big smoke, you know, she, she's mm-hmm. off on her Todd. Um, she has shielded the bond from Lan. Um, it, she's blocked. He mm. has no sense. They, they discussed it in season one. When you are a warder, you uh, you always kind of know how your Aesodai is feeling. Yeah, like uh, you get those kind of aspects as well. Uh, but additionally, you always know what general direction they are, yeah. where they are mm-hmm. in the world. You can't pinpoint it, but you know, like, well, she's northeast of me. Yeah. Um, she she has blocked that aspect of it as well so she can't she can't actual channel herself because she is she is blocked she is shielded she cut off from the source but she has also intentionally blocked that bond with lan now as well so he is completely cut off from her he he feels nothing from her Yeah. yeah um i did like mask him here who says you know well which marriage is which marriages are ever the same? And mm. he says, you know, just because you're masked now and separated, it doesn't mean to say you can't go back to Moraine because mm. look at me, because he had similar yep. kind of situations. So I, I kind of liked, I liked Maskin and Ivan here um, speaking with Lan in their own individual ways, because it's kind of like, you know, Lan kind of letting it you can see it getting into his head about what's happened and even just ivan who you know trying to well he responds to lan when lan says about we were never equals he just kind of sniggers and Mm -hmm. he's like well of course you're not equals because they can channel the one power but our job is to remind them that they're not gods Mm -hmm. you know it's not about being equal we aren't but that inequality reminds them that they are not, you know, Superman or Superwoman, that that they are grounded. And I feel like, you know, linking to Moraine's little sister here, you know, because it's family, Mm -hmm. it's almost like she's doing the same thing here. I don't care how much power you can channel. Mm -hmm. I've done this. It's no less difficult. It might not be as important. 
without the one power yeah. <laughs> and you're going to respect me for that and not treat me like the 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 younger sister anymore Absolutely. you know Absolutely. I, it's just really good but i like the call out that she's monitoring every single thing that moraine did from leaving the house yeah she has people just to report directly back here's exactly what moraine asked for so that she has the power of moraine uh, at the end of that scene that was really good and um, I, I thought it was an interesting call out from land that the bond was shielded i just assumed that once she was cut off from the source that's when the bond ended it's not a choice of moraine to separate them so it was interesting that he called it out there that it is a choice of hers and also another little extra detail that i wasn't aware of before that he's been her warder for 20 years that's a significant connection that they've had he mentioned it last week that the bond between the two of them is like a friend in between speaking speaking so they don't have to speak that bond's now gone after 20 years that's a yeah uh, it, it feels much more weighty uh i suppose with that amount of time i kind of thought five or six years but 20 years is massive like i'm guessing that this kind of Bond physically was removed anyway when she was cut off from the source. No, no, it's not. So the bond is forever. So it just means like a friendship bond, like a personal bond. No, no, because no, it is. It's an actual... It's yeah, a, it's a but how does that, that arise? I mean, that's the thing I don't know. Like, how does it arise? Is huh? I, I just assumed it arose through the fact of the Aes having... The, the ability to tap into and channel the source and this mm. added to it. And so the fact that she is now cut off from it, yeah. even though she may have been masking him beforehand, like he says. So I get that. But it, what I mean is by being cut off from the one power. I know the question you're asking, but you've made it a little bit more complicated. Lan is talking about the point where she masked him and yeah, shielded okay. the right, bond. Right. And it has continued after being cut off from the source. She, she hasn't done anything more it's still masked, I yeah. suppose. And in his mind, he, he probably doesn't even know if it is connected to her being cut off from the source or not because he was already masked before that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's, yeah, that, that was a big call out for me. I didn't think about that at all. I didn't no, think I that didn't. she had already blocked him before she got cut off from the source. Yeah. But that was, I presume, to protect her mission to take care of the, the Dragon Reborn, right? That's the reason why she started masking against Lan. Yeah, and like we saw in the first season where she has the real secret meeting with the Amaralyn yeah. as well. So, you know, she, that she really needs to keep, like, it's top secret. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So even from her from her warder, so mm -hmm. I guess. I can't remember. I'll be very quick because I know we move on to our next book, but I can't remember, though, is if once you're shielded or blocked from the source, whether the bond continues or not. I believe it does. Because yeah, it's almost I like, it's, I, it's the way I remember it, and again, someone will correct me, it's fine, and I have to mm -hmm. reread them, but I believe what happens is, it's a weave that connects two people, and that's yeah. put in place, and even if that, that it's an ongoing, it's like, it's, it, it continues, it's not, a, it's not consistently pulling power from a person, yeah. it just, it's put on, and it's permanent, and that's connect them. I mean, even if she's connected, disconnected or kind of cut mm. off completely from the, the, the source um, and her ability to channel and all yeah. that is gone the bond is still there and she can still control and he can control it and so she has right. shielded it I believe that is the, if I remember correctly and yeah. kind of, the way I'm taking this right now she turned it back on for a bit so that she could find her after them coming out of um, the, uh, the, the battle in the end of season one the but then world, since yeah. then she has turned it off again. Uh, she yeah, has shielded she, it because yeah. I took it that because it's more she, he doesn't want her knowing where she's gone. 
So she blocked it from that sense. Yeah. And she was genuinely cutting him off. She was saying, no longer my warder, but yeah. she hasn't severed it, is the point. No. She's, she has shielded it. Yes. So the I said, I, if they're no longer satisfied with their warder, can cut it. If they die, the bond is broken, yep. of course. Um, and they have the opportunity to shield it and then take off that shield effectively. So like John said, in a meeting with the Amelin Seat, she would shield it for a moment so that there's no connection between land for that important meeting. Well, and then, uh, <laughs> the bedfellow meeting. That's yes, more exactly. why she did it. Exactly. But, anyway. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so, it, so it is It is lots of options there, I suppose. But, uh, but it is interesting to know that Moraine could actually take the shield off and connect the two of them again. Together. And she may, because she may need it. Absolutely. Or, of course, there is the call out that uh, Nynaeve is... Uh, in training at the moment, so Lan may become the warder of Nineveh. Well, possibly. So, that is um, kind of brought up, so yeah. we'll see. Absolutely. But I think we should move on to our second spoke uh, for this episode. Perrin, the wolf brother. Finally. Finally. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Um, I went I went throughout the first season uh, wondering what this uh, bond and connection was, and uh, not only did I get my answer in this episode, sort of, um, they specifically criticised me for having the thought that he could be a werewolf because uh, Perrin goes, am I going to turn into one of the wolves? And uh, Elias just says, don't be so stupid. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's yeah. like, don't be so stupid. How could you possibly have thought that? So I apologise to anyone. I used the term wolf brother last week. That's fine. Yeah, no, I, know, I know, just because it was a slip it. of the tongue because yeah. it hadn't yeah. been named yet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I think we'd like, used it in season one as well, to be honest, okay. Chris. Yeah, <laughs> I apologise yeah. back for season one then. <laughs> um, this is, I'm so happy to see yeah. this. Yeah. Um, the conversation between him and Elias is like, yes, it, they, there are things in the world that are not connected to the one source, mm-hmm. to the to, to, to powers and things like that, that are neither good or evil, but they are considered evil and dark yeah. by the Ace of Eye because they don't know what it is and they can't control it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole aspect. Very quickly, exactly. thing about Min, she's not a channeler. Mm-hmm. Her thing is she's just can see the future. It is disconnected yeah. from the one source. It is disconnected. There, are, You'll start to see these things pop up that have nothing to do with channeling that well, are just part of the world and this the wolf brothers is one of the best parts of it yeah well that's it as well because one of the things in the books that you do get is and it's not so much with moraine but the the ace and i are hugely sort of wary skeptical uh and um fearful of people like min people like the wolf brothers Mm -hmm. um and so and you hear that from elias specifically um saying how you know they basically stay out of the way of of people um he calls out the ace to particularly um he says uh but it but he includes other humans because um they fear what they don't understand and i mean that's one of the things that you you realize Moraine, in a sense, is more enlightened than sort of just the general teachings of the Aesodai who would fear um, mm-hmm. the the wolf brother um, or even Min. So I kind of I, I liked how this you know plays out the fact that um, these other kind of powers uh, um, are, are seen. And viewed in a very wary fashion from um, the Aes Sedai. Well, of course they are, because the Aes Sedai are in power. 
and they can't control these. So that Catholic no matter, <laughs> well, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the point is, if you can't control it, the likelihood is that that will be your downfall if yes. you're in power, right? So uh, if all of these people get together <laughs> and take on the Aes Sedai, um, the Aes Sedai will probably fall. Um, so, yeah, interesting one. You you just mentioned Moraine there, John, sorry, um, and her her difference to the other Aes Sedai. We didn't even mention in our first point that she went to visit Loghain and got the information from him. And he told her all about Rand and what he was trying to do. And yeah. she tells Loghain that he must train Rand to her satisfaction and then he gets a knife. Interestingly, in your, in your synopsis, you said that was to kill himself because that's the only thing that a male channeler would want a knife for. I thought that was interesting because I didn't no, get that from no, the episode. Once, <laughs> once they're cut off from the one power, mm. that it, it's like this gradual descent into just, I guess... um nothingness uh, and what's assumed by the Aes Sedai is that what takes over is, is the the need to really um take their life mm. uh, because they they can't see anything yeah. else that they can do because they've lost and been cut off from yeah. the, the the one power. Yeah, it's just interesting that conversation. I just assumed it was either a knife so he could get himself out of the place and so he would uh, be able to use it to, to get it to make his way out or that that was the knife that Matt had used. So it was a connection back to the source that she was giving to him. But it turns out it's a knife to kill himself. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So and it's just, just beyond that. So typically men and women who can channel when they're cut off from the source after a period of time, take take their own lives because uh, the, it's the way it's described as imagine the most beautiful, amazing visual, like you most amazing euphoric you've ever felt, and the best life you've ever led, and then being cut off and knowing that you will never be able to do that again. Exactly. You will never reach those highs. You will never feel that. You just descend into depression and mm -hmm. beyond um yeah. and that's usually what happens with the male and female channelers male yeah. there's also the madness aspect where the kinslayer where they talk about usually you kill the ones you love when you're mm -hmm. a male channeler um because of the taint the darkness that is tainted the male's half of the one power and um, i don't know whether i pick this up right or not it feels to me that what Loghain is actually saying is that those are lies spread by the female channelers to criticize male channelers. Because he doesn't seem mad. He seems really angry. He seems really annoyed that he's been put in this position and has lost the connection. But he doesn't seem mad. He seems like he's just saying, yeah, yeah, they tell you you're going to kill the ones you love. And they tell you that um, any male channeler has got to be bad. But not necessarily. <laughs> I think that, yes, you're starting to, the politics and the, 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 there's definitely something there. You'll see it when they channel, when, and they visually show it beautifully, which is you see the white power of the source flowing in the weaves for the females. And then you see it for the males as well. But then you start to see the darkness creep mm. around the white. Yeah. Um, in, uh, when they, the males channel. Um, yeah. so there's definitely truth to, Everything is what what you what what level of truth? 
Just yeah, but it, it it feels like the, these rumors have been spread. So once you see a male channel, they will eventually go mad and kill everybody around them. And you're you're getting that sense that this is really impacting Rand, which we'll talk about later on, of course. But that rumor of what will happen to him now that he can channel is really Im- impacting him, I suppose. And I just felt from that conversation with Logan, Logan was saying, not really. That's kind of lies and rumors spread to, exactly. to discredit male channelers. Exactly. It's the propaganda of yeah. it all. But so, Sorry for taking us back there. No, uh, I just exactly. do want to talk about no, Perrin uh, Let a, a us bit wheel more, forward, but, I guess, yeah. here. And just <laughs> let's close out Spoke 2 before mm-hmm. moving on to Spoke 3. Um, with, you know, we do have Perrin kind of being adopted specifically by one of the wolves here um, in the form of Hopper, as well, yeah. we see... Uh, the, the wolf kind of sit close to, to Perrin. You hear from Elias that Hopper also lost a, a, a close wolf. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that is going to sort of build as well. I think Hopper, at least where I'm up to, you know, becomes more and more important in helping Perrin understand himself as a wolf. Brother. Very yeah. I think I it's like, very I, cute. I yeah. like how they, 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 they're showing the visualization of wolf language. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. This, there's definitely aspects in the book where they kind of take a more direct approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of, they explain that this is what happens. Like it is a series of imagery and that kind of, that's how they talk to wolves, talk to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's then on Elias and preparing to translate that to what they do and at a certain point in the book it just starts translating it because they rather than explaining everything you're, that uh, he is seeing pairing is seeing yeah. Yeah. They, they just explain it through the, the words um yeah because there is that little nod to that when um Perrin calls out the name of hopper and elias goes mm, close enough i yeah. guess that's your interpretation of what hopper is saying to you it's his name is hopper so you can go with that. That should yes. be okay to speak in yeah in the current tongue, I guess, rather yeah. than their way of speaking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's just it's, call it's fun. it looks beautiful. But they would also be acceptable names for him because that's you translating yeah, exactly how he said it. Yeah, call yeah. him bouncer like in neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> um, great stuff. So should we move on because there there will be more on Perrin in the in the in the following episode as he goes forward to find his lost friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let us get on to spoke three. The betrayal of Leandrin. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Leandrin's true purpose becomes clear. We just thought she was a bit of a severe spanky mistress mm-hmm. um, with a bit of a temper. But no. Uh, but no, she is um, much more in the the wheelhouse of being uh, evil. Uh, or at least not evil, but well. her motivations. I mean, ultimately... What I really liked here is, if, you know, if there's a little bit of foreshadowing here, even as Leandrin is still sort of playing the sort of concerned mentor to mm-hmm. Nynaeve uh, and giving her advice, which I, I really liked. But, you know, you get the sense that this this moment where, you know, you need to have a piece of this world to hold on to mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, she talks about, as as we mentioned previously, the Aesidae are also cursed. Everyone just thinks it's just men who can channel the one power are cursed. Mm-hmm. But actually, for Leandrin, uh, the female Aesidae are cursed as well because they have to leave 
everything behind. And yeah. she talks about her her boy, and that was the, her piece of this world that she held on to. Yeah. But she does say, and when they when they go, you have to find another. And it's just the look on her face as it probably foreshadows and mm. um, sort of locking on to Ishmael and, and so yes. on. And the other side of this is, I know it was really dark down in that way out that the Nynaeve uh, and Egwene and Elaine were trying to get out of the tower. Mm-hmm. But I love just for that split moment, her red cloak of a red, red Arja almost looks black. And then it, but it's really dark red um, mm, because okay. of the dark, because it's so dark down there. I just thought that was a nice little touch. Just, okay. And, um, just to kind of, you know, hint that she's not quite as uh, supportive to Nynaeve as uh, she could be. Well, yeah. So, Jack, what do you think of the Andrew? That's what I really want to know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, this is the interesting part for me. This came out of nowhere. Um, like, last episode we were saying... Leandrin's always been a tough mistress, but she'll eventually turn around to the light. She's going to help out Nynaeve. She's going to help out the group. And here she tells Nynaeve that her friends are in trouble. Her friends have been captured by the Shanshain, um, and they're on the other side of, of the country. They're in Falma. Um, so Nynaeve goes and gets Egwene, and Elaine tags along. Um, so I just wasn't sure of her plan. She comes out um, of the darkness. I thought she was going to meet up with Nynaeve and take her on this journey to Falm. Mm-hmm. And then I think she wouldn't have been too worried about Egwene being there either. But because Elaine's there, she goes, well, that's a complication and knocks them all out using the one power. So um, I don't know. I, I was really surprised at this. It came out of nowhere. And that was I was still kind of going, oh, she's probably just going to you know, tie up Elaine and then take the other two with her. But later on, we find out she is connected to Ishmael, um, which is a much bigger thing than her just knocking out Elaine. I just thought it was I thought she was still on the side of uh, our ladies in the terror. But yeah. no, she's she is connected to Ishmael. She it, is potentially that Ayasadai that we saw at the meeting in the opening well, of the first episode. Yeah, absolutely wearing the black. Yeah. Um, but in fairness to her, she does say um sorry about this, uh, just as she uh, chucks them at yeah. the, the rock face. So um yeah, she's probably in a bit of she does quite like Nynaeve. I think she does see elements of herself, just that sort of, you know, tetchy nature. Yeah, but, um, but also a villain never thinks of themselves as a villain. They think no, exactly. she thinks she's aligned with Ishmael and he's in the right. But right? I, I so. do like that it kind of just flips that on on its head. And I actually think this is better than the book because you don't really get that sense of uh, Leandrin helping Nynaeve in, in the White Tower. Okay. Like, she's much more distant mm. um, in... In, in in the books and just that connection i never really got that sense here so i actually think this actually really develops mm. leandrin a lot better actually interesting and um, i do like the fact that when she tells Nynaeve about perrin uh being captured and, and the ogier um she says um you know don't do anything rash mm. And it's like, you've just spoken to Nynaeve about yeah. this. You she know will, be it's going to be rash. <laughs> Whatever the response is, it will yeah. be rash. Yeah. And so I, I just like that. You know, <laughs> the mischievous uh, Leandrin. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I, I, I enjoy most of this. I, I think the way that they're setting up the character, you, you do have questions. You are, you're, mm-hmm. you're questioning whether it is her. Maybe she isn't the, the, the black ringed Ace Maybe she is. Who, what, what's her motivations? Because you then hear when she's talking with Nynaeve, it's about power. Mm-hmm. So much is about being an Ace or is about getting power, getting power, yeah, and things like that. But then you also hear, like, the very truthful aspect where Nynaeve lived for years in those arches. Absolutely, and, we did wonder about that last week. So yeah. I'm glad they confirmed it here. Yeah, so she lived a lifetime, or at least eight years, mm-hmm. where her child was eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, under a decade in the in the arches and had a mm-hmm. child and then in a split second lost a child and they are fading but they're there yeah. that fear that feeling of loss and sense of loss and the engine bonds with her over yeah. that because her son is dying mm. she there is that connection she feels that like yes like part of you is losing because of your choice to be an ace die yeah. it is the cost that they don't talk about so throughout this episode you're starting to go oh maybe she's good Maybe yeah, exactly. she's good, and like that's everything's going to be fine. And maybe she yeah. does want to help Nynaeve. Then she tells Nynaeve, and you're like, "Hmm, you, you literally said, don't do something rash to the most rash person <laughs> exactly. in this whole show." Yeah, and then you get to the late, like literally the 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 wind knocking them out or knocking the wind out of them, and you're like, "Oh wait, what's going on?" Exactly, exactly. And and one of the things about Leandrin, because she's on, she's the only real red Sedai that we've um that's featured on the show. We've met a few others, but because she's the only one that's featured on the show, you kinda think, is that just a part of the character of the Red Sedai that talks about power, that uh, believes that they are the most powerful of the Sedai because they don't need warders. They can do it all themselves. So sometimes when she's talking about things like attaining power, you're going, Oh well that's just part of the red it's that character, right? So, um, when there's this kind of twist where, as I say, she knocks out the, uh, the three of them, it didn't make me question anything in her that she was loyal to Ishmael and the Dark One. That wasn't what came to my mind first off. It was just, oh, here's a complication in the plan that I had with, um, Nynaeve and maybe Egwene. So I'm just going to take care of that and let's move on. It was only when that conversation was happening with Min, who's, in the tavern with uh, with Matt and goes to meet her connection. It turns out that the connection is Ishmael and he has all the details of what Leandrin told Min. So you, it's confirmed there's a connection between the yeah, two of them. Absolutely. So uh, it's only then you go, oh, all right, that's much more serious than I thought it was going to be. And I know the story in the tunnels isn't complete. We'll see what happens with that next week, of course. But uh, but I thought that was uh, that was very interesting to have that really confirmed here, the connection between the two of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and also, you know, that, that scene with Min and Ishmael as well. I mm. love how he says, you know, open your eyes. How do you feel as he's kind of, you know, temporarily stripped her visions away? How does that feel for you? You know, cause he, mm. you, you have that moment where she is bombarded with all these visions that she has either seen before yeah. or will see in the future, whatever it. That was really well and done. And yeah. then he just pulls it all back and tells yeah. her to open her eyes. Mm. And, you know, she suddenly realized how deep she has gotten in by trusting Leandrin mm-hmm. here, uh, because she's basically speaking with one of the Forsaken, yeah. which is interesting because it seemed like she understood that this man sat opposite her or 
however he was coming to her, mm-hmm. was a forsaken, um, you know, and was something worse than what she was thinking it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and, but effectively, you know, his instructions are to take uh, Matt to Karain. And that's interesting because Matt as well, just coming back to your, the hat, the hat, the, the game of houses in, in Kaharain, which is kind of where that is focused. You mm. know, this isn't something that sure there's the politics between the different centers on, uh, on the world, but that the house, the game of houses is specific to Kaharain, mm. uh, here. Yeah, yeah. And it's the political capital almost. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's interesting that Matt's going there because I can see, you know, because his, his, uh, you know, his, his affinity with chance and probability with mm. the, the dice, uh, that you see them playing in the, yeah. the tavern as well could play really nicely into the, the chaos of that game of houses. And I you think. guys keep mentioning this quite a lot. I know, I know it's a book thing, but you keep mentioning about, Matt's affinity with chance but all we've seen of Matt right from the beginning was he loses constantly in this episode here the opening the only moment you really see with Matt is him sitting beside Min going can you buy the drinks and the room for the night since I've lost all my money and you keep winning all all the time basically so um so you keep saying he's got an affinity with it he's just a gambler is all he is and a very bad one at that let's (laughs) just say they're setting the baseline. Yeah, of course, of course. But he's got to be better than that baseline. Uh, <laughs> he needs to win at least one hand of cards at some point, so that he, so that he can justify why he's still ga- gambling on dice. That's what I. That's what I say. But I did love that scene between uh, between Men and Ishmael. One of the things I liked about it, particularly, is that opening scene as she's seeing through those visions. Uh, a great little, a very sad little moment of kind of the pressure of seeing it because she has a young man uh, coming to her, a young boy coming to her, asking about his future, and all she sees is death. All she sees is that he dies yeah. soon after as well. It's not even an older version of him. Um, so you can see the pain that seeing all of these visions in people causes to men so um so because they were they showed that you can kind of see why she goes along with this plan uh leandrin and ishmael both offer men that they will take away uh these visions from her in return for her helping them um but she says she's not going to kill anyone and she's not going to hurt matt and uh ishmael kind of looks at her and goes you probably are actually yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. you don't really have a choice in that you're going to do it because you need to get rid of these visions and yeah. i i'm the only one that can grant you that exactly mm. yeah i know interesting stuff uh, on to spoke for though uh lanfear and ishmael um mm. and rand i guess um well, let's, absolutely. Not, let's not leave uh, rand out of this uh, but um do you know right here i do want to give a big compliment to uh joshua stradesky who plays rand i think his performance in these scenes in this episode have been some of the best that he's done so far he can really feel the pain of what he's going through yeah this idea that he could fall into madness now that he's channeled for the first time the fact that he had his ultra hot uh opposite of wet dream last week uh, in the inn and now <laughs> he's with a person that sees him as a as a man for the first time and he has to reveal to her that he's a monster because he channels you know that yeah. i think he plays that really really well um throughout these scenes so yeah, yeah great it, w- job. it was really good yeah. and i think um you know it's just again some of these scenes are just really good both in terms of the performances but just like the little peppering i mean even just having the fade here in this moment where mm-hmm. he does the channel and again love that 
coming out the of the effect shadows, of yeah. them coming out of the shadows cool. almost through oh. the rock it was just so Very so cool. good um yeah. and you know just then seeing the dark weave in the light weave coming out of rand mm-hmm. really i thought was was great um, interestingly as well with Celine, maybe she was just ramping up or should I say Lamphere. Uh, maybe it was just still ramping up, uh, before she got, um, cocktail sticked. Uh, it was like the weave seemed almost, um, transparent here in this moment. It, mm. it hadn't taken on, uh, sort of the whiter light, um, like you see from the Ace of Die and so on, mm. or even from, uh, Ishmael at the start, you know, as he's breaking, uh, her out of yeah. the, the sealed prison. It's more smoke-like, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. so th- I thought that was kind of interesting in terms of the look of, of hers uh, sort of weaving the the, the one power. Um, I also think Ishmael is popping up a lot all over this world. You mm-hmm. know, he's kind of there with Min, like we saw him with the Ascension at this tomb uh, of Lamphere, uh, or prison um and hmm. but he can get around he Let's can but that. but that opening scene where he's releasing landfear is obviously a while ago yeah yes. because celine is in place her version of of yeah. uh, of landfear has been in place for a while obviously before rand got there because there's a history she says she's been there for years and everybody seems to know her in the town so i don't know whether now, she's uh, confused them all and only arrived a week ago or something. But, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. But the interesting thing, you know, he is a forsaken as well. And you hear like a good bit more here, uh, being sort of, sort of layered into what it means to be a forsaken. Not only that they are, you know, the lieutenants of the dark one, mm. um, but that, you know, like when he speaks to Min, an Ace I can't release you from your visions. They don't have the, mm-hmm. they don't have the power and he can do that and then switch it back on. Like, so he's massively powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that, that sense of that power. And then you also hear about, uh, Lanfear from Moraine. You know, she is the daughter of the dark and the most dangerous of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. So even, you know, step up from, Ishmael. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so happy. (laughs) For me, this again, like a lot of this, I'm always going to be somewhat, um, ruby glassed, um, or visioned, I should say, while watching this show. Because again, you're seeing aspects, well, not word for word, you're seeing Mm. a thematic, uh, storyline come to life in front of you. Yeah. Um, Seeing Celine slash Lanfear and the betrayal of Rand and the, or not even that, the, the discovery and the, the, the wool being pulled back from even the viewer's eyes. Honestly, mm-hmm. now they set it up like they, they almost signposted it for the last couple of episodes going, oops, something wicky and weird is happening with this Celine woman. Why does she yeah. suddenly like, hmm? Um, but it's played so well. Even mm-hmm. by, by the actress who plays Lanfear and Celine, like, and then seeing her, the daughter of blood, come out from her prison when Ishmael kind of releases her from the seal, like, covered in blood. And yeah. then you hear the prophecy being spoken. And that is the prophecy that is found uh, in Lan's bag that was given to Moraine 
because mm-hmm. Lance stole it from Moraine and it was given to Moraine from uh, the 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 fisherman who brought mm-hmm. it up Dumb. from the seal. It was inscribed. This prophecy was inscribed on the seal mm-hmm. that was broken into bits um, by uh, Ishmael when he um, broke her out. So yeah. it, she's yeah, yes, she's been gone for a while, and you're expected to kind of just piece this. Um, but hearing it come out and being told, and you're like hearing how she is so dangerous, mm-hmm. we have yet to see how dangerous she is. Like, well, I think we're about but, to. But I mean, <laughs> it's not only yeah. that she's dangerous, but you know, you see the fear on Moraine. I mean, actually, Moraine's really brave in this moment because she's cut off from the one power, mm-hmm. yet she is, you know, taking on a forsaken. Um, but you know, the urgency of we need to run that she says to oh, yeah. to yeah, Rand, yeah. even though Rand thinks he's just killed um his his new lover. Um and you know Well the first person he's ever loved, I think. Well he's, yeah. He's saying that he's totally in love with uh, with her. Um I love that scene with with Rand throwing Moraine against the wall because it shows the power of Moraine. Again, you say it exactly as you say, she's cut off. She's not she doesn't have her powers here and she's got the Dragon Reborn in front of her throwing her against a wall, but the way that she remains so calm about it understands his anger but needs to get him out of there before Lanfear rises back from the dead again. You know, she she knows her mission and accomplishes it really well. A great a great moment between the two of them there, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be um, interesting to set up the next couple of weeks and like the next next week's episode because you, the question is because how do you battle one of the Forsaken? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with an Aesodai who can't channel and a man who doesn't fully understand how to channel and just burned a fade without fully understanding how, mm-hmm. uh, and then also burnt down the house literally. Yeah. No, it's um, re- it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, it does do they run back and get Logain? Do they do, do they whisk Logain out so that he may train Rand? Mm, maybe so. This because they can't. They have to. Yeah, it sets it sets the questions of kind of where are they going to go? Yeah, yeah, um, it it does really because I mean, with Celine, her uh, identity is drawn out much, um, much more through through the books, um, because it's not really until Tia that this kind of gets exposed so you can see why they've shortened it anyway mm-hmm. and i think it's been done in a really good way because there's always that tension and um, that sexual frissance and um, between celine and rand anyway particularly uh-huh. f- coming from celine actually yeah so um absolutely he's a hot ginger lad yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're still waiting for him to be strung up with his top off. So, you know, come on, wheel of time, get on with it. Exactly, exactly. But, but exactly as I said last week, you know, uh, we were we were joking about the fact that um, why could Celine possibly be into this really hot looking <laughs> young man? It must be because she's a dark friend, right? But uh, but yes, she does seem to be uh, quite attracted to him. Um, but it is interesting because Moraine does have that plan to have Loghain train uh, Rand. So they're not going to be going into hiding next week. Otherwise, that scene probably would have been cut from the show, right? <laughs> so uh, so they're most likely going to be going back to Karine here. So um, Celine will pretty much know where to find them if she wants to go and find them. So, yeah, uh, yeah it'll be quite interesting to see what happens there. I guess, uh, you know, 20 minutes later, she arrives right behind them and goes and kills Moraine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, any notes on the episode? Anything else about that point or anything else on the episode? Yes. One one note, just something for everyone to have, a, just listen to is listen to Celine's 
or Lanfear's uh, description of a man she used to love oh, yes. mm-hmm. and yeah. looking over the, the vista. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's definitely there's stuff there that there that will mm-hmm. play out later. Yeah, um, and yeah. part of it <laughs> is you'll start to see echoes. So the 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 the, the one bit they don't talk they, they start to talk about now. And this is the prophecy of the dragon. We got it in the last season, and we're only getting bits of it a bit more now. The prophecy of the dragon reborn, the prophecy of Rand, okay, um, and what's driving Moraine, and what's driving Rand must fight the last battle. Mm-hmm. You'll start to hear prophecies a lot, and you'll start to understand the prophecies can be taken two ways. Um, and the, whether it's talking about old or new prophecies and mirroring in current times, old times, things like that. Um, definitely fun. Um, and I just love how they talk, uh, how Lanfear describes her ex-lover and things like that. Yeah. No, that was good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any other notes in the episode, then, that we need to talk about? Nothing else for me. I just wanted to call it one moment with Leandrin that we didn't get to mention because she has a discussion with um, Leanne Sharif, the keeper uh, in the tower, um, who is effectively calling herself the Amarlin Seat or the voice of the Amarlin Seat uh, in the tower. I just thought it was interesting that Leandrin would confront her um, in that moment in the tower and tell her effectively, uh, you may be on the wrong side here if you align yourself with the Amaran seat. When she falls, you fall. So, yeah. uh, so another little uh, bit of intrigue um, there with Leandrin and what her possible plan will be in the future. Yes. Mm. Um, the only other little thing I have is I did like the little bit with um, at Alana's dinner table with Lan, where some <laughs> of the other people around are asking where is the third warder going to go you yes. know the plaything uh, <laughs> lan has been viewed as another of alana's playthings. exactly exactly um we thought you'd slow down as you got older yeah exactly uh, yeah. really good thought that was really cute uh, very very good little moment i guess those are her nephews and nieces or something like that they seem to be family um of, of alana yeah, that she's like going it. to visit so and given how i said i age i would guess it's uh it's much younger family who see their fun auntie uh with uh with her two warders and possibly a third <laughs> love it, love yes. it. Good stuff. Right, uh, so we have spoke. Mm-hmm. Chris, did you enjoy this episode of Wheel of Time? Yes, of course. <laughs> this for me, and I, I feel <laughs> terrible because I'm just, I feel like I'm just saying yes all the time to this, but it is no, no. seeing seeing a lot of things come alive um, that, again, has been in my mind for years, but also seeing... I think more of the enjoyment I'm getting is the changes, yeah, the, the right. tweaks and the things like that, because it is, I know the overall destination where we're going. It's this mm-hmm. journey of how we're getting there through this season. And sometimes it's not even that. And it's just not expecting the way things have been moved forward or backwards mm-hmm. or left or right. And that then makes it, I'm understanding and seeing the show the same way Derek is, mm-hmm. except maybe I'm getting one or two extra bits when they talk about the game of houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, oh, cool, that's going to play more, maybe. And if not, meh. So overall, <laughs> I'm loving this and enjoying every day. And just the visuals, they obviously got the money to to increase the, the effects and the visuals mm-hmm. this season, and you can really see it. And that vista where they're standing on, 
with uh, overlooking the city. It yeah. looks spectacular. Fabulous. Wasn't yeah, it? It was. And the White Tower itself, that overview of the White Tower, um, its design looks incredible. Yeah. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. Really, really beautiful scene. There's a making of now on YouTube. I'm assuming it's on also Prime Video itself as well. And they yeah. show about just making that those scenes with the White Tower and stuff. Yeah. And for me, I'm going, oh, that's, that's the Amarillo seat, Amarillo seat right there. That's her hall. And then that's mm-hmm. the tower at the top. And then that's another thing. And then I'm going, yeah. I know where all these things are. That, oh my God, seeing the scale of it. Uh, yeah. And then just this tiny little stick stick person at the top going, oh, that's, that, that's the person there. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Our, uh, our regular call out to go and check out the, uh, the x-ray extras on yes. any show that we're watching on, uh, on prime videos. Definitely. Some really good ones. And they're not even all up there yet. There's going to be more coming as the show rolls out. Um, and usually when the show finishes, they put some more up there, but there's already, I think, a video per episode, uh, behind the scenes of, of each of the, each of the elements. So lots of interesting stuff to catch there. Good stuff. So, Derek, did you enjoy this episode of The Wheel of Time? Yeah, really enjoyed it. Really enjoying this season so far. Halfway through now, um, four episodes in and lots and lots of great character work here. Um, I, I like that there's this idea that potentially we'll have all the crew back together mm. uh, at some point. You know, it, it kind of thought that everybody was cut off in their own uh, locations, but already we're seeing the wheel turning, I guess, and, and bringing people back together in different places. That's really cool. Um, I thought Rand's storyline this episode was really good. Uh, I thought that the connection with Lanfear, um was really interesting. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of great stuff. So yeah, another another great episode of Wheel of Time. How about yourself, John? What's your final thoughts on this episode? Yeah, I really like this. Give it five bloody bedroom antics out of five. Um, yeah, nothing much more I can add, really. Just really enjoyed it. So yeah, absolutely uh, loved this episode. Can't wait for the next one. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let's go wet our whistle after that. Yes, uh, fellow wheelies, fellow quizzers, we have the Wheel of Time Tavern Quiz. Uh, this time we are on uh, question four. So here we go. What animal do the wolf pack project to Perrin and Elias to show them the way to their meal? Ooh. Um, yes, remember to send in your answers, collect them together uh, for uh, the tavern quiz when we round everything up at the end of the season. You send it in to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. I'll give that question one more time. What animal do the wolf pack project to Perrin and Elias to show them the way to their meal? Expecto Patronum. <sighs> Let's head on over to our feedback section from our wonderful fellow wheelies. Uh, we got loads of feedback in from Coffee and Vodka uh, because we only got his thoughts on the first episode into our last podcast. So we have some thoughts on episode two and episode three from Coffee and Vodka. Uh, first up on episode two, he says, Greetings, fellow Return of Rand Defenders. Every time Loel and the others say, as you wish, it keeps sending my mind back to my favorite movie. That's got to be intentional, right? Also, I have vague memories of Loel dying last season. A sign of early onset dementia, or has he been resurrected? So, we have part of Moraine's mental situation figured out. Her secretive, obsessive mission around the dragon doesn't seem like enough motivation for her antipathy towards Lan, and what I feel like spoken lies to him prior to her departure. Varen Mathwin is swiftly becoming my early favourite character of the season. Such fairy godmother vibes. 
Min's return is awesome, more of Leandrin's history, mindset and character development, and the unveiling of the seafaring foes of Season 1. So much packed in best. Close it off before this becomes a novel, but in short, loving it so far. Five Randy Dragon rental agreements, double dragon detainers, and dutiful dragon devotees out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Great stuff, Coffee and Vodka. Yeah, I think every time I hear the words, as you wish, anywhere, I think of Princess Bride. So it must be intentional, especially in this type of universe. I think it's a nice nod. Exactly. Yes. On the Loyal death last season, yes, you are right. I remember we talked about it in the podcast, um, that they've killed off Loyal in the first season. And then apparently Rafe Lee Judkins came out about a week after the episode had aired and said, don't worry, don't worry. It was just to make sure that you knew that people could die. Loyal is not dead. He's going to be back in season two. But they didn't even explain it. They didn't even mention the fact that we thought he was dead. He just was injured in that attack and has now healed because we're five or six months later. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but a harsh way to leave it last season uh, for everybody and then not even go into it. Like, Yeah, yeah like, especially when you could have just had a line. Actually, now think about it. Yes, we did have all those discussions. Mm-hmm. Have just a line going, oh, how is your side? You, oh, I'm still exactly. Sif. I'm still Sif <laughs> from the ba- the battle and the stabbing. And you're like, oh, okay, grand. But yeah, it's just like, do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Moving forward. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Um, definitely loving Varin as well. Um, mm-hmm. And can't wait to see more of her as well as she comes on this journey. Uh, for episode three, Coffee and Vodka says, Greetings, fellow tragically tested defenders. Wow. For being the least densely packed of the episodes so far, it carried no less weight. Mm-hmm. Nynaeve is going to be a force to be reckoned with after this. Matt remains the paragon of virtue he never was, and <laughs> Rand's coming into his own, even if his own is turning out to be quite the mess. Should Moraine regain her abilities, as she pretty much has to, there's quite a confrontation with Leandrin to come. Mm-hmm. It still feels like Leandrin, however, is slowly doing a turn to the good, so we'll see how that turns out. Even better than season one so far. Five magical makeout sessions, <laughs> unwelcome mats, and hellacious alchemic alcoves out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Thanks so much, coffee and vodka. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, that confrontation with Leandrin to come, we see that here really, mm-hmm. or at least the, the pulling back of that mask. But I think, as I said, I actually think it's kind of even better than the book. I, you didn't really get that sense yeah. of Leandrin, uh, for mm-hmm. me. Um, maybe I just sped, re- speed read over that, but, uh, <laughs> you never know. I just think, um, I just think it gives her a bit more balance. Mm-hmm. It, it again, and it it puts her in more of a grey place here. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, so yeah, I really enjoying that. That's amazing. After one episode already, uh, she's not doing a turn to the good. It seems like she's going double double dating on her uh, on her turn to the bad. Right, this episode. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll we will see. Time will tell on everything on this. Again, exactly. we we have to be somewhat coy. Let's put it that way. Hmm. Again, because we just don't know how they're going to play certain things. So I guess let's be coy about this. <laughs> Thanks, Coffee and Vodka. Moving on to some feedback for this episode. First up, some Facebook feedback. And the first person is Elias Von Doom. Yes, Von Doom has taken his Wheel of Time name. There and he you is go. There. Von Doom had this to say. Greetings, Wheelers. This episode totally blew my mind. 
The acting across the board was excellent. I am intrigued by the characters Nynaeve, Lan, and Perrin. They especially mm-hmm. have been through an emotional ringer. Mm-hmm. Moraine, the Enigma, seems more capable without the one power. The other Enigma, Leandra, puzzles me. She befriends Nynaeve, only to bait her into trying to help her friends. Is she really in league with the Forsaken? If so, things are not looking good for the home team. Mm-hmm. The wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Elias Van Doom. Thanks, Elias. Like the new name. Yes, definitely. It, it's like I said, like everyone should just, if you're going to keep a moniker, change the <laughs> moniker slightly for each of them. It's perfect. You know that's going to mess with my templates that I use for the docs, Chris. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be putting people's names all over the shop. <laughs> but it's great that you can choose your own name. Always welcome to call yourself whatever you want on TV Podcast yes. Industries. <laughs> exactly. And to their point about uh, Moraine, the Enigma, mm-hmm. being more powerful without the one power. Yes, like that is what this is supposed to show you. Mm-hmm. That she was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, when she had the power, um, she's as the power did not add that much to her. Yeah, one power it gave her just spells. Now she, she knows doesn't have doing. spells, and she's as as formidable. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Great stuff. Thanks very much, Elias. Uh, also got some feedback in from Dr. Bob Phillips, who says the costumes this season have really stepped up a notch. Lan's relaxing outfit and Moraine's new dress and the Gallifreyan headgear she wore when younger are lovely. Is Leandra lovely or a dark friend? Why should you sleep on the floor if you have a cabin? Are all Wolfie's good boys around the golden eyes? Where is the seat? And why does every vamp turn out to be a vampire or forsaken or whatever? Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, I think they just fell asleep outside beside the fire, having a lovely evening staring at the stars before going into their cabin for some sex, right? I think that's what happened. Pretty much. I saw so so. many people. This was the biggest sticky point for so many people on the internet. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, people camp outside. Like, that's a thing. It's a lovely summer's evening. When it's like 20 degrees outside, people just like, we'll have a nice fire. Mm -hmm. And when the bugs start biting, we'll go inside. It'll be fun. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why you keep the fire on, to make sure the bugs get taken care of. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it does seem like the wolves are all um, part of the same pack as the wolf brothers. So they are all very good together. They work together as a pack is what it seems like. So yeah, they're all good boys. Yeah, and indeed, where is the Amelin seat? Mm-hmm. Indeed, uh, what is she up to doing her little bit of naughtiness, I guess, as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, but thanks, Dr. Bob Phillips, mm-hmm. uh, for the feedback, as always, and also Elias Von Doom as well. Uh, we also got for episode four an email through from Coffee and Vodka. Greetings, fellow band binding defenders. We all knew there was more to Celine than met the eye. Mm-hmm. Poor Rand, unlucky in love, lucky in pretty much nothing. Mm-hmm. It does raise the question of why Ishmael hadn't dealt with him before if our salacious in and out keeper had been reporting in and out. Not much to say about this baby steps to gathering the group installment other than A, one wonders at Leandrin's machinations, mm-hmm. B, what Moraine hopes to accomplish without the weave, and C, how is it that the secretive chamber of arches seems to get almost as much foot traffic as the kitchen, <laughs> and D, who cares if Matt me- meets a messy end? Four understanding rounds... Beer mats and poetic land handlings out of five. Peace and take care, coffee and vodka. Uh, thanks so much, coffee and vodka. I would care if Matt meets uh, a messy end, but mm, I, me I think that's down to um, 
really needing to spend more time with the character mm-hmm. and move that character along because I do think he gets, um, whilst I may not be up to it in the books, uh, I actually do think his importance sort of increases okay. uh, as you move forward. Um, I think in that flash sideways with Nynaeve about, you know, what her, what her family life would have been like. I like that Matt there. I hope we get that Matt, the one that was, uh, was dealing with her daughter the way he was. He seemed like a fun guy. Uh, we don't seem to get too much of him on screen uh, and didn't in the first season and aren't getting a huge amount of him this season. So uh, hopefully we'll get more in the other four I episodes. I think we will. Think we and will. I think Matt will also, Matt and Min presumably will mm. get accompanied um, by someone else hopefully very soon, uh, which would be good. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just going, <laughs> Who Rand, may that Rand's be? over there. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Interesting. Or do we? Uh, good, yes, we do. Good stuff. On, on the Chamber of Arches, I don't think the Chamber of Arches is secretive. It's just that you can't open it without multiple Sedai using their powers together to open the arches for the trial. So I think anybody can go down and sit there if they want to, uh, which is what Nanive's doing this episode and what Egwene was doing last episode, uh, to try and open the arches to get um, Nanive out. Yeah, it's 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 just not like it's not a secret room. It's just that yeah. d- it, it don't go in there because like you it, might you might sacred. be dragged into the trials. <laughs> that would be pretty it's awful. It's a sacred kind of off. It's a sacred room for the, yeah. Their yeah, it's kind of like the examination halls. So I, I guess mm. as Leandrin said, it's like why would you want to go back there once yes. you've done it? Um, yeah, uh, exactly. but I think as well in terms of what Moraine hopes to accomplish without the weave. I'm actually quite liking this now because I was wondering the same thing. How is this going to play out when she doesn't have the connection to the one power? Um, but I guess it just makes her more resourceful in a sense. And there's also, you know, she's, she's playing a bit of, um, a bit of roulette as well because mm-hmm. people still think that she is connected to the one power in some cases like Doman from last episode and e- even her sister you know she doesn't have the conversation to say that she's been cut off so you know she she's playing on reputation i guess mm-hmm. uh, as much as anything and um i think it, it it's showing the resourcefulness but i think the moment where she's basically like Rand, get me down from the wall because we have to go. We have to run. Um, if nothing else, you may be in less mm-hmm. danger than I am because <laughs> I've just literally done a, a cheese and pineapple cocktail of Lanfear, the <laughs> Forsaken. So, um, you know, plus I've messed up her bed sheets, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 She's going to have, I mean, that's the thing. I'm wondering. Is it going to kind of be like a bit of a chase? Because I don't yeah. really know how it's going to play out. I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, or is she going to kind of come back into the shadows mm. to sort of regroup and then come back and we'll have another meeting at some point, you know, uh, or is she basically like going, uh, now I've got to do the laundry before <laughs> I can like set on the path to, yeah. to sort of extract my re- revenge, at least against Moraine. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, they ultimately want Rand to be an ally of the, the Dark One. Yeah, and I, guess so. I don't know if there's necessarily at this stage the, the want to, to kill him, but I do, I, I do know as well that with the Forsaken, something that comes out and is interesting around these 
the this group of lieutenants of, of the dark one is in a sense they're very competitive against one another it's not like a tight group like they have their own motivations and so on and there can be those tensions and contradictions between members of the forsaken and it's you know that they have their own agenda exactly. this as yeah. well which is is really good yeah, yeah. that'd be really interesting to see Great stuff. Thanks, Coffee and Vodka, and thanks, everybody, for your feedback. If you want to email us, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. You can also pop over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries, where we have a spoiler post up for every show that we're covering on the podcast, including Star Wars Ahsoka, which we also hit episode four of this week, which was excellent. Really yes. good episode of Star Wars Ahsoka. Yeah. Uh, you can get our podcast about that over on tvpodcastindustries.com, of course, as well. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for joining us and how, joining us on this journey on the Wheel of Time. Uh, I look forward to seeing where it takes us over the next four episodes. Yeah, good stuff, fellow wheelies. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, until next time, keep watching, keep listening, and keep wheeling. Bye. Bye. Bye.